Sarah Torino is an author, speaker, holistic wellness instructor, and creator of Whole, a formula for well-being. Her specialty is Soma Yoga, a therapeutic modality that invites healing on all layers, body, mind, and spirit, and also guided meditation. Sarah has been in the wellness industry for over 19 years, and in this conversation, we are talking about self-love as the portal to the divine, and we're talking about leaning into fear and discomfort in order to deepen your self-love. And this was very much just a conversation as if we are sitting on our couch next to each other, having some tea, and I really loved it. It was a beautiful experience, and I'm very excited to share it with you. And so here's a little peep at what's coming before we dive into the podcast intro music. It made me, this whole thing just kind of made me feel like if the doorway to healing, if the gem that's underneath the trigger, because I think there's gems under all of our triggers, right? If we choose Mm -hmm. to unearth them, heal them Mm -hmm. and unearth them. Mm -hmm. If what's on the other side of our deepest fears is liberation, you'd think You'd think, of course, that we would all just be running at our fears, but I mean, that's why they're fears. Mm. Welcome to Openly Spoken, the podcast to help you show up, speak out, and be seen. Here you'll get to eavesdrop on connected women's conversations about self-love, confidence, healing, relationships, creativity, and more. I'm your host, Celia Antonio, and I am your guide to getting you grounded into your body, feeling your full spectrum of emotion, and expanding your fullest self-expression. I also pop in here from time to time with solo episodes where I give you tips, tricks, and resources like meditations, visualizations, and all the things to get you grounded, to get you to feel, to get you to alchemize, and to get you to expand and express yourself fully. I'm so grateful that you're here, and I invite you to now put your hands on your heart, take a deep breath, set a tone for how you want to be as you show up for this podcast, take what resonates in this podcast, leave out what doesn't resonate, and take some time to reflect and to contemplate. And if there's anything in the podcast you want to chat about, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at selfexpressedbabe. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Before we dive into today's episode, I am so excited about something that I want to invite you into. This is a space where you can expand your nervous system capacity, silence your inner mean girl, slay your shame, and get covered in this warm, fuzzy blanket of 11 days of sensual self-care. So if you are a woman who wants to deepen your relationship with your breasts, this is the offering for you. So what this is, it's a course called Heart Magic. We are actually kicking off on 11.11 with a live masterclass. And this is the space for you. This is the portal for you to deepen into self-love, to deepen your sensitivity, to release anything that you might be holding onto in your heart space. 
And if you want to also have like a spiritual awakening to what it means to be a woman, like that is like the most, mm, that's like the juiciest part of like diving into this kind of work, especially if it's your first time. And for my podcast listeners, you can use the code openly to get 20% off. If you're listening in the future, know that this code openly is going to be valid until January 7th, 2023. So if you're listening in the future and it happens to be before January 7th, come in and join us, babe. I would love for you to join us. And there's a link below so you can find out all the details and you can always reach out to me on Instagram at selfexpressbabe to ask me any questions. All right, let's dive into today's episode. We had originally, Celia and I had originally talked about the idea of, of deep self-love as the doorway to the all. Mm-hmm. And that was what was really alive for me, what, a month ago when we had talked about this topic. Mm-hmm. So then uh, a week went by. And I had a meditation and in the meditation, a a kind of a vision and a visual came forward. And the visual was a doorway. And what came forward was the idea of what we fear and loathe most about ourselves And it's going to be different and unique to each of us Mm -hmm. is the doorway to the divine. (laughs) And then of course I was like, good. No, (laughs) you know, like, no, I don't want to go that far into my shadow. I don't want to go, you know, cause that's, it's that the, the thing that we hide the most, the thing, that little bit of ourselves that we hold back from the world because we deem it unlovable, unlikable. Yeah. Um, not worthy to be seen, afraid to be seen that we would be shunned or cast out. Mm. That, that bit, that's the doorway. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Tell me what you think of it. I think that's like, mm. wow. I know. It made me so yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, so true. It, it, it also like brings me to those moments of like when someone triggers you and you and you can like recognize that that's something within you that you don't allow yourself to be. But then also, okay, I feel like there's so many thoughts. I just need to take a little moment for it to like land. This is like, I love this. I love that you're bringing this in. So what's interesting about the things about yourself that you might loathe or not like, I think it's just an idea that someone else gave to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why would you hate something about yourself? You're not, You're not born as a baby hating that you cry. You're not born like you. I don't think anyone is born hating something about themselves. We learn it. It's Mm. learned. I think it's like what we bring in to this lifetime Uh to heal or grow from. 
it, it's, I think it's that thing that that karmic debt, maybe, or maybe it's that life lesson that you come in on this ride to learn. And in that bit, in that piece of what it is we're supposed to focus up, focus in on mm-hmm. is fear. And maybe loathing mm. is, maybe it's that we don't like that part of ourselves, or maybe it's that we, I'm not sure if loathe or despise are even the right words. I think you're right about that. I think it's more what feels most vulnerable to us, mm-hmm. what feels scary to us about ourselves. Yeah. And therefore we despise and loathe them. Maybe. And that's such a powerful thing to look at because like that fear and um, yeah, the fear is so powerful and it's so difficult to go through it and like do the thing anyways that on the other side, we feel so good having like accomplished, like, for example, if you give a speech when like public speaking is your biggest fear, like you're going to feel so good at the end of a successful speech Mm. because of the fear. If the fear wasn't there, yeah, you'd probably feel good, but it like having that fear initially, I think makes things that you then accomplish more pleasurable, I guess. Mm. Well, it made me wonder, silly, it made me wonder, do you think that all human beings have the same fear? Or do you think that it's that we all have different fears. Like if you think, if you asked 100 people, what are you most, like on your most delicate bits, mm-hmm. what what are you most afraid of? Or what do you feel is the thing that you want to avoid most about yourself, right? That you, yeah. do you think it's all the same? Do you think we all would say um, unworthiness? Do you think we'd all say, uh, that they're going to like imposter syndrome. They're going to find out I'm a big fat fake or, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, what is it? Do you think that, that everyone would say? I think everyone would give different answers, but I think if you go deeper into every single answer that it would all come down to the same thing of like fear of being seen. Mm. I think ever, I think that is like the fear that you can boil down most fears to fear of being seen you know and being seen authentically and being seen truly yeah. and being seen yeah. like without all of the layers upon layers of acceptable garments that we put on to make yeah. ourselves um f- f- be more seeable you know mm-hmm. that you will that you'll see me but you won't you'll like me you won't not like me mm-hmm. so you think it's all fear of being seen authentically. I think so. Cause when I, when I rack my brain for like the most common fears that I know about, it's like public speaking, um, commitment and relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, fear of being seen. Yeah. It all comes down seen. to fear of being seen. Like mm-hmm. if you can't allow yourself to be, and I think that's a good point to like, I think the way that our, capitalistic society is ran it makes it very hard for parents to like fully be there and see their kids 
that I think that's maybe that's why it's a, such a common fear mm-hmm. because like when we have that in childhood like we kind of like take that with us in adulthood yeah it's perpetuated yeah mm-hmm. and like when you really boil down to like what all of us need it's like we all need to be connecting with each other we all need love and if we're not doing it, then there's a fear of love. So maybe the maybe the fear of being seen could really be boiled down to a fear of love. I don't know. What do yeah. you think? <laughs> well, Marianne Williamson said once that the the I'm gonna totally paraphrase this, but essentially that that is the role of the light worker is to love and be loved, right? Mm-hmm. And so yes, if it maybe it is, maybe that's what it is, is is our deep-seated fear of just loving acceptance. Mm-hmm. I I wanted to ask you, as someone who shows up so beautifully, are you afraid to show up vulnerably in the world? That's a hard question to answer because no, but with certain things yes Mm. like I couldn't go on the internet and talk about like sex toys (laughs) you know what I mean like it depends on the topic but like no I went through um I went through a breakup in 2019 and I was living in New York City at the time and it was like really heart-wrenching breakup and I and my life was really busy at that time so I cried on the subway in front of hundreds Mm. of people a lot (laughs) That's brave. So like at this point, it's like, yeah, why not? Like, why not talk about anything and be seen? Um, but I do I do have some some of those fears. I feel like it's I don't know. I was gonna say I feel like it's impossible to not have those fears, but I don't know. I don't either. I think it's something super interesting to play with. And the mm-hmm. day after I had this meditation, excuse me, the night after I had this meditation. I had a dream and it was one of those dreams that was so vivid that I woke up and was like, did that really happen in real life? I think that might've really happened in some lifetime that that, Mm. that, because it was so real. So in my dream, I, I, I spoke my truth Mm -hmm. and all around me in my, in this pretend town where all of the people of my childhood, all the people in my small town were all around me. And I spoke my truth and they all, they shunned me. Mm. They cast me out. I had to leave the town. Mm. And a woman came to me who was a mom of a friend and she was a safe person. And she said, we have to stick together those of us who feel the same and she like hid me in a purple cloth Mm -hmm. and kind of I could hide behind the purple cloth and leave town without them they were hissing at me Celia they were booing me they were pointing their finger at me do you think that's a memory of like a past life Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do. And I also think it may be a, a memory of the collective mm-hmm. of the of the magical creatures in our world. I think 
Mm. Well, we're, I think we're all magical creatures, but I think there's some of yeah. us that have traumatic memories when it comes to our our gifts. Yeah. I love that you say that we're magical creatures. I totally agree. And I think that like how we're living now, it kind of, um, you know, like we have these screens where we're conducting on the other sides of, of the country and we have just like all these distractions that are like detaching us from nature a bit that we're not as we're not like bathing in intuition like our ancestors were mm-hmm. um and I think that maybe because um I think maybe because women we have like cycles and seasons that maybe that's why we are more connected to intuition because we have this like rhythm of nature in our bodies. Mm. And um, I know men have hormonal rhythms too, but they're, I think it's like a daily rhythm that it's not like monthly. I don't Mm. know. And um, maybe also they've been more in the workforce and in doing and leading in the last couple hundreds of years than we have. So maybe that's also why there's, I don't know, maybe that's why there's more of a disconnection from intuition. Maybe. <laughs> it's been a, it made me, this whole thing just kind of made me feel like if the doorway to healing, if the gem that's underneath the trigger, because I think there's gems under all of our triggers, right? If we choose mm-hmm. to unearth them, heal them mm-hmm. and unearth them. Mm-hmm. If what's on the other side of our deepest fears is liberation, you'd think, you'd think, of course, that we would all just be running at our fears, but I mean, that's why they're fears. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Yeah. What would you run towards? I do run towards my fears. Um, I love that about you. (laughs) like if I'm scared of something I'm like ooh, okay there's something there and um I think part of it is like needing to be comfortable with discomfort Mm -hmm. and um I was uncomfortable a lot in my childhood so maybe I'm kind of like used to holding that Mm -hmm. um I've also done a lot of work on like nervous system capacity and stuff so things now that used to terrify me I can do now but I think this all comes down to like running away from discomfort. Mm. And I love that you mentioned you had a a dream the night after this meditation because last night I was I was laying in bed and um, I tend to always have this tension in my upper back and in my neck, back of my neck. And I was laying there last night and I was like, all right, I'm going to close my eyes and like go into my upper back and like just like be there and like describe in my head what I'm feeling. And I like, I forgot that this happened until you mentioned that you had a very vivid dream. And I'm like, Oh wait, (laughs) yeah, that happened. And, um, it was kind of like, um, it felt as if I had taken a drug kind of like, I felt like in a moment I was there laying in bed. I don't remember what I saw or what happened, but I went on like a little journey for like a minute. And then I like came to and I'm like, I have to pee. What just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Did that actually happen? (laughs) How much time has passed? (laughs) It was weird. It was weird. Um, And what did it feel like? 
it felt like it felt like I was like dancing or flowing with like some movement and um like it felt I can't really describe in words it was more of like a I don't know I don't know how to describe it <laughs> you know what's funny is I I always wonder with neck stuff yeah as someone who has I have chronic neck stuff um I always I like to think about it in terms of like system wide stuff and I'm like, okay, well, that's the upper part of your heart. Mm -hmm. And that's the back of your throat. Mm. And so I, I think it's always fascinating to think to ourselves, geez, I, I always wonder with neck stress, as an example, this is someone I, I work with soma yoga, right? So somatics mm -hmm. and um, it's a therapeutic based yoga. And so I always wonder when pain or tightness presents in a location, especially when it's the neck, I always think to myself, I always want to ask, what are you not saying? Hmm. What am I not saying? In what area of my life? <laughs> right? I right? mean, well, I mean, really, that's, that's yeah. ultimately, that's, that's the thing is, is our ability to be able to speak our truth in whatever area has yeah. been um, severely uh, tamped down, if we want to be just even kind about how that yeah. has played out over the eons of oppression mm -hmm. of, of, so I think it's fantastic. I think it's a fantastic diagnostic tool to be like my neck hurts what am I not saying mm, I like that yeah I tend to have a hard time speaking out boundaries mm. especially Damn. with friend with friendships because I'm like the friend that people come to to like vent and to like get advice from or yeah I'm so the you're friend. receiving you're like the you're the receptacle for lots of people's big feelings. Yeah. And like, sometimes like in holding that space, like the conversation goes on a lot, like long. And I'm like, okay, I need to go eat. <laughs> like we need to end this call. <laughs> and then um, I overthink, like, how do I communicate that? Like, this is, like, I love holding space for you. And this is like a little draining and I don't feel seen in the relationship because I'm like holding you, mm. especially because like this has happened in the past with like someone who I was friends with for like 20 years. And when I set boundaries with her, like it was not, it was not received well. And um, we haven't talked in like a year. <laughs> um. Can I just reflect back something? Yeah, please. I I find um I find that fascinating. I just find I just want you to know that I find that fascinating that you're the person who's holding these big feelings for for people. And then when you set a boundary like hey listen I've got 20 minutes late, you know, I'd love to hear what's happening, but I, I have to set a time boundary in that how it was received was that their expectation was that you had no boundaries. 
And so mm-hmm. they, they, then when you set a boundary, they, they left. I find that to be tremendously um, fascinating and also probably not uncommon. Yeah. Boundaries are, are an interesting thing. Yeah. So if you were going to say it, I'm just curious now, let's say your, your neck is sore and you're like, I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta set a boundary. How would you, are you better now about sending them? Or are you still, do you, are you a little jumpy? I'm a, I'm a little better. Yeah. I'm a little better. Um, it's just tough when some people are having like a hard day and like, I want to be there for them. And then it's also like exhausting. I don't know. And I, and I do see how, um, I see now, like with this time that's passed with this friend that we bonded, we bonded when we were really young, when we were like 11 because of trauma Mm. and, um, the friendship was like, it served, it served, I think it served its purpose and like it's ran its course and like, if we will talk again, great. But if we don't, like it served its course and I'm grateful for this person. And um, I do see how it was. Okay, because here, this is what I do. This is what I learned about myself through this boundary setting thing. So I had a mom who wasn't very, well, I have a mom. She's still alive. She wasn't very emotionally present with me. So that emotional presence I give to my friends. Oh, what a gift. <laughs> I like try to be did the you give mom it to her? That, I, that I wish I had. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, did you give it to her? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I have to distance myself a little bit. I'm working on some, some healing with the mother wound, but like, yeah, she doesn't I listen to this podcast. So I'll just say it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The last alone. time. Oh yeah, the, la- the last time that she visited, it was very draining. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, I'm glad you only came for two, three, three days. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have a three-day maximum with, with my mother as well. Actually, three-hour maximum if we're in person. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. I mean, we live in different states. I'm trying to look for, I have a book somewhere that I'm currently reading about the mother wound. We live in different states, so we don't see each other a lot. Mm. And um, the book I'm reading is called Will I Ever Be Enough? Have you heard of it? No. The title is powerful, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a healing from narcissistic mothers book. Damn. And it's really good for like just developing compassion and just like, like it's really hard to accept someone that you want to like change and to just be like this is how she is this is how she's always been like just love her like that and that's like the ultimate like what you were saying the ultimate like path to the divine of like going to what's uncomfortable and just being like all right like this gets to be like this and it gets to be great how it is yeah I don't know I I'm I'm telling you Celia I have been playing since this meditation I've been playing with those ideas of like what am I turning my back from because Mm. it's too uncomfortable versus Mm -hmm. turning towards and walking towards understanding that I'm held understanding that I have the tools you know I 
I have, I have the tools to support myself. I can regulate my nervous system. I have, you know, I have, I have tools and resources to, and yet it's scary. Mm. It's scary to walk towards those places in your body and your mind and your spirit that are holding deep, deep fears around love yeah, and being seen as authentic. And if you're right, and that is the human wound. Mm-hmm. Why well, I think that's like a, we need to help people get there. And I can't yeah. do that. I can't do that. Sorry. I gotta, I gotta work <laughs> on me first. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta watch. That's why I'm so myself. like passionate about sharing self-love. Cause I feel like that inside work is what's going to change everything. And what's interesting about what you just said, when you go after those fears, like once you face those fears, though, there's going to be new fears. Well, that's exactly it. It's the spiral it staircase, isn't it? It's just going to be a different layer of learning, right? Yeah. And so it's this constant spiral staircase that I find fascinating. But I also feel as if, if our, if your desire is to seek and mm-hmm. to be close with the divine, the big her within, without, micro, macro, if that is, well, that means we got to start unearthing the, we got to start unearthing the stuff, you know, and we got to start unearthing the, the things that bring us big discomfort. It's in those, those pockets of, shape of shame and fear and pain and it's in those pockets of ick that there's some real treasures yeah i'd be so curious to know if like all this shame and fear and ick that we have as a collective like how much bigger it's gotten since (laughs) since media and phones and the car being invented and communities being separated yes (laughs) And also just our fundamental connection with nature, which yeah. with natu- which naturally soothes our mm. soothes soothes our nervous system enough mm. that we can access our feelings, access our knowings. Yeah. What was your what was your entry point into like doing this kind of work of like facing your fears? Um, deepening your capacity, your nervous system capacity, and all of these self-love things? Um, I think I've always been a seeker. Mm-hmm. And I come from uh I come from a family that has very rigid definitions of the divine and what that looks like. Mm. And yet held some room for curiosity, which I'm grateful for. And so I would have to say that it has been a lifelong journey. I remember college, you know, walking into the counselor's office with my list that unrolled, right? And I was like, these are the 12 things I need to work on. You know, let's... (laughs) But the spirit stuff 
that's come later. Uh, and I think because of my upbringing, I am, uh, my lineage is all in the Anglican church. Okay. On my dad's side, my dad's a priest, an Episcopal oh. priest, my uncle, oh. my grandpa, my cousins, you know, like, and back all the way wow. to the 1600s. Wow. So I say this because it's deeply ingrained and there's also been a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain there mm. in my lineage. And so it's only been in the last few years, actually, that I've done quite a bit of spiritual reclamation mm-hmm. and, and that has supported all of the head work that I did. Right. <laughs> And so everything in the last 10 years has kind of pushed me into integrating all the stuff that I knew in my head and had done in therapy and put it more in my body with Soma Yoga and now really coming into my spirit. And I think if you don't mind me saying there is some crone work there. There is some crone work when you move from maiden to mother to crone. Um, I'm a, a, full-fledged crone now and I have to Ooh, tell you it's an honor my, to have you here <laughs> yeah and there's some ego there too there's lots of ego mm. because our society has condemned aging so radically um yeah. but I tell you I feel so strongly about this evolving that I'm in the midst of and that the idea that we can be crones in our full potency and our full power and our full knowing and all of our gifts mm-hmm. What, what would that mean for me personally? And the idea that we can help people coming up, that I can help my daughters yeah, um, make sense of this world in a, in a world that is, is going to be, you know, she is rising. She is rising. The divine feminine is rising and she's wreaking all sorts of havoc on the world. Yeah. Because it's not set up for her. Mm. Yeah. But she's rising and we need to make space for that. And if I can help with that, even a little bit with my kids, with myself, with my people. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I think so. Yeah. So you said you've always been a seeker. Mm. You said also, though, that the spirit stuff started a few years ago. How did that start? Well, I would say it started more than a few years ago in that I've always been close to spirit. And it's just maybe the definition changed for me. And it turned less like going outside. Mm, Or going out to a church. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And turned more towards what is this? What does this mean? to me. And I had to do a lot of unpacking of, of system, oppressive systems that I was a part of and, and had been taught and also redefining. So it was kind of an unraveling and then a re-knitting. And I've been re-knitting for some time now. And, and how can I make it, how can I be in right relationship with yoga, which is not my, you know, I don't want, I, I, I don't want to appropriate. So how can I be in right relationship with Mm. yoga and still have it serve, you know, serve me? I had to really explore that and dig into that. Yeah. Um, I feel also though closer now without any rules and regulations with the divine as I've ever been. I love that. 
as I've ever been. It's, it's, it's incredible. And it's just me and my little altar in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can really, I feel more connected to the universe, to source. Um, I don't have altars though. I've never, I'm a minimalist at heart. So I've never really like come to make an altar. I almost did one when we were in Medicine Muse together. I remember that was our homework to do an altar. And I'm more of like, I like to have like a special blanket that I put down for when I meditate or something. And then I roll that up and put it away. I'm more of like that when it comes to altars. Um, If you don't mind me saying also. Yeah. You're one of the, one of the few people who um, I truly feel observes um, their physical body as their altar. I do. Oh, thank you for that reflection. Yeah. 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 You are, you're, 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 um, I don't know how to say this, but I feel that embodiment is your superpower and I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy watching your exploration because it's an interesting thing to feel safe in your physical body and to treat it as Mm. a gift and recognize it as a gift Mm. in a world that has taught us that it's not safe in a world that has taught us that, um, that it's not good, that something's not right here in order to make money off of us. Yeah. Right. And so when I see young women (laughs) who who see that their body is a, is an altar, which it is. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think to myself, God damn, <laughs> kids are all right. Oh, serious. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. That took a lot of work to get <sighs> to when, when I was three, my mom got remarried and um, my stepfather comes from a culture that sees women as second he's from Pakistan so I grew up with um the Muslim like culture around me he was never very religious but his family was and just from the little interaction of like his um mother lived with us for some time his sister lived with us for some time and just from those little interactions like I got the messages that like it's bad to be a woman. Like my body is a shameful thing that needs to be covered. And like sex is bad and dancing is bad. And so like, yeah, thank you for that reflection. Cause like what I'm doing is totally something that is kind of like rebellious. Yes. (laughs) But the way I was raised. (laughs) I mean, when you think about it, when you think about it, from a global perspective, everything is designed to disconnect women Mm -hmm. from their magic Mm -hmm. hands in the laps. Now remember hands are extension of the heart. Heart Mm -hmm. is where your power is, you know, your womb, heart, head. Yeah. 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 Hands are extension of your heart. This is how we make magic, right? Whatever your voice. Everybody's been shushed. So everything is designed to disconnect us from our knowing. Everything is designed to 
make us question ourselves. Because in our full potency, we're forceful. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's heartbreaking about that is that um so just it's, that. it's so much, but like what's for me the most heartbreaking is that um the people that created this system, the I don't know, founding fathers, whoever, they're also being oppressed. Exactly. You know, like prisons, there's so many men in prison. If if men had space to to show their emotion and express their emotion, I think there'd be less men in prison. There's well, also a lot of other, you know, really messed up racial systems and systemic things that we need to, you know, break down. But men are also suffering because of this oppression of feminine energy. Correct. <laughs> and it's like. And she's coming. Yeah. I mean, she's rising. So and it's and it's starting with with women right now coming into our power. And uh I saw like a meme the other day that I loved. I was like, wow, this is so accurate. It was like a meme of this <laughs> it was these little maybe four-year-old girls. One of them was like throwing up in the toilet and the other one was holding back her hair. And the one throwing up over it, it said like uh masculine rising or something like that. And then it said, um, the one holding the hair, it said like the awakened feminine and like in the caption, I don't remember who posted this, but in the caption, they were talking about how like feminine energy has been rising and like once it's risen, like to the, I don't know, height or probably won't ever reach a height. It will probably always keep growing, but our rising is allowing us to kind of be like mothers to the next awakening of humanity, which is the masculine side. Mm rising and um yeah there's also a lot of there's suppression of masculine energy too there's oh, so much yeah the divine masculine is not looked upon kindly yeah yeah because of all the wounds we have with it and like we associate it with war and violence <laughs> That's at least what I see. I see war, violence, and control. Yeah, I think it's the masculine run amok without the guidance of the feminine. The love, the loving guidance of the feminine, um, can go can go into oppression. Yeah. Power over, power over. Yeah. I read somewhere too that um, back when we lived in tribes, like the men would hunt, but the women were in charge and they were, they would tell the men when to stop hunting for a little while so that nature could recuperate itself. Mm. And that is so missing. That is so missing right now. And it's so sad We're we're taking and taking and taking from earth. And yesterday I was sitting outside in my front yard and I had this amazing contemplation because I heard a sound and a squirrel got run over by a car and it was really sad. And I was like writing about the squirrel, like, should I pick it up and all this stuff. And it, it basically came down to this thought that I had where I realized that humanity's most violent invention is the car. Mm. It's not, it's not a gun. It's not a nuclear bomb. It's a car. If you think about life as a whole, how the car has polluted the air, polluted the ocean, runs over animals it's covered the earth in asphalt 
it's separated us from we used to live in tight-knit communities and now we have freeways and highways and roads and we're living in homes where most of us don't even know our neighbors the car is the most violent invention and the car is is a very like masculine thing it has structure it's technology it was invented by men and it was you know this big great thing when it came out but we didn't have that we didn't have that insight yet to think ahead of like what is this really going to to create and i mm. just wonder like how how long we can continue well you just blew my mind so <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to sit with that one for a little bit <laughs> at first i was like the car oh my god then i was like the car <laughs> Uh, oh my god all right so what is what is one small thing you're gonna do this week to walk towards your door I think there is someone in my life who I can have a conversation about boundaries with Mm. I need to do that yeah so excited for you and nervous (laughs) I also just realized the time and I have some questions I like to ask of course at the end but okay. first, I want to ask, what is your small thing you're going to do this week? Oh, <laughs> I, I am not sure. <laughs> I am not ready to come out of the spiritual closet yet. Mm. So maybe it's doing this podcast and being open with you mm. and not even thinking that other people might hear it. Um. So maybe it's that I have been very open with you and I feel okay. I feel good about that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that feels good to me. I was going to say I'm working really hard at being brave. Mm -hmm. I'm working really hard at being brave. And, but it's really hard to, it is really hard to be brave. And so I'm trying. And so how I do that is I, I go to the altar and I, I do ceremony every day and I meditate every day and poetry comes out sometimes. And so my little piece of, of bravery is that about once a week I share, I share one of my pieces and that is my little piece of that is my little piece of bravery. Would you like to hear one? Yes, please. Oh, yay. I don't think I have. Everyone listening is in for a treat. (laughs) All right, hold on a sec. I will. Can you hear me okay? Yes. All right. This one I wrote um, after my meditation that you and I talked about. Okay. And I will read it to you. Dancing around fire, echoes of her in my bones, altars everywhere. At sunset, I feel her stirring, rising in us all. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to be a little more brave. It's hard for me. Yeah. I'm in process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh. Okay. 
So the first question I usually ask everyone, I think we might have answered it already, but I'll ask it anyways and see what comes out if you want to add any anything to it. What does self-love mean to you? Self-love means to me uh, deep self-compassion and deep self-trust. Mm. I think that actually self-love is something that comes later. It's some, it's a, it's a practice towards, but the first germ, the seeds that are germinated, I believe are the seeds of self-compassion, which breed then self-trust. Mm. Yeah. And, and, on, and, and I think there, that it's hard for people to jump right to self-love. And I believe that the first seed is self-compassion. Yeah. That's a really good insight. Makes sense because with compassion, we have to accept those parts of ourselves that we think are ugly. Yes, that we deem um, unlovable. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It all comes back yeah. to that, doesn't it? Yeah, I love that. Okay, so next question is what makes you feel the most grounded? Big bodies of water. Ooh. I'm. I like very large bodies of water and I feel like oh, in that meditation, you and I talked about what she said very clearly was come to the water. Mm. And so I've been trying to drink more water and take more baths. And also when I can get to big bodies of water. I think that's my sign to go to the beach today. It definitely is. I live really close to the beach and like everyone that lives close, almost everyone that lives close to the beach, I don't go enough. <laughs> is that right? Maybe it's just because like, it's my right thing. But, oh my God. I would be like every day. <laughs> Today it's really rainy and cold. So I'm like, uh, but I think this is a nice sign to go. <laughs> so, will you send me a picture? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. I would love that. Okay. Um, I can't remember the next question I usually ask, but I'll ask the last one, which is my favorite one. What is your favorite part about being a woman? Mm. It's so funny. Cause I don't know what it means. I, I can't, I, I can't know what it means to be a man. Mm. So I can't, I can't compare. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, God bless America. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I was going to, my initial reaction, my first reaction was my vagina. Um, but my secondary reaction is my womb space. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for all of my, of all that comes with being able to hold all of the things that a womb does. Mm. including birthing my two children, mm -hmm. but it doesn't define me. And I guess what I mean by that is that, Oh, I'm going to mangle this. I don't think <laughs> that you need a womb space to be a woman. Mm, yeah, for sure. I agree. And with so you. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that for me, it's the, the idea of the womb space Mm -hmm. Um, and that it's my power center 
And I'm still working with it and learning a lot about it. And I'm older, but um, that would be my answer. Mm-hmm. And boobs are know. cool. <laughs> <laughs> they are, right? They're the best. <laughs> oh, my God. If you've taught me nothing else, Delia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, so for everyone listening, where can they find out more about you and find you online? You can find me at, at Sarah underscore Torino on Instagram. You can find me um, at sarahtorino.com. Mm-hmm. Do you want you to share YouTube? You can find, you know, I'm, oh, I'm, nice. I'm all I out there. You had a but, YouTube. Well, I'm sporadic about it, but I do. I, I, I do like the visual mediums. Nice. Media, media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, YouTube is a lot of work. I've been wanting to show up there for a while. I think I might start in 2023. I post this podcast there and that's about it. <laughs> well, if you ever need help, that that's my jam. And then you can help Ooh. me with lots of other things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you for today. Yeah, thank you. This was so lovely. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Openly Spoken. I know that there's an abundance of content online, so I really appreciate you giving me your ears today. If this episode shifted something for you, please share this with a friend and slash or write us a podcast review if you're listening to this on iTunes so that more people can find this. If anything shifted for you from this episode that you want to have a conversation about, I would love to hear from you. Just send me a DM over on Instagram at selfexpressedbabe and that is in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next time.